Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there, across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. We've had a lot happen over the last couple of days. Uh, personal lives, uh, internet lives, yeah, baseball lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been pretty eventful. You yep. had yourself a good uh, 24 hours yourself. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean... We actually talked about the flag to open last week's episode. Yep. But uh, the uh, the ball had not been had not yet rolled. We could say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Daniel. Uh, I, did it? Did it all start with the president of Sports Reference? Yep. It started with Sean Foreman, uh, president of Sports Reference. Quote tweeted my Barry Bonds flag. It was a tweet of me holding it. It says, we stand for the flag in this house. He tweeted, he quote tweeted like a guy clapping. And from there, it just took off. And this happened at like 1130 at night. So I was about to go to bed. And I was like, well, this thing's like kind of popping off now. Like I can't go to bed now. (laughs) By the time I actually put my phone down, it was at like 600 likes. When it started at like 25 or something like that. Like this thing was absolutely just going off. And... I was like, all right, wow, like, when I wake up, this thing could be at, like, a 1,000 likes. Like, that's insane. I woke up at 6 a.m. You know when you, like, randomly wake up early? Yeah. Like, you like you don't mean to, but, like, you're up and you just don't, you just can't go back to sleep? Yeah, sometimes. So I had that on on Tuesday, and it was at, it was just casually like, yep, I am at uh, 1,700 likes, and it just was keeping going. And we're currently at 11.1K, which is absolutely insane it's far beyond anything i could have ever imagined uh i really don't know what to do with myself now like i'm just i became twitter famous like yeah. i don't know it's weird it's weird well now it's like uh you probably just want to chase that dragon again because i mean it the tweet has come and uh but i mean now the likes have, have slowed down obviously yeah. as it's taking its toll through the internet see but. i don't know if i don't know if it's chasing the dragon again because like you know this is it like like so many like people, I mean, ten thousand, eleven thousand likes is not common. Like for anybody, yeah. like unless you're ridiculously famous, like you're not getting eleven k that often. I feel like, I feel like chasing that again is like it's just too much of an effort. Right, and it this was yeah, it has to be organic. This was organic, mm-hmm. and uh, it it ended very well. It did. It ended. Very what a well. what a time. I mean, yeah, I I remember, I was rooting alongside. I remember when it was reaching. When it was getting to like five thousand and trending in that direction, I was like, "We got to get that. We got to get that decimal point. Yep. Not the. You got to get to the point where you can't see exactly how many likes it has. Yeah. Yeah. That is. Uh, that's like the. Uh, that's the. Vo- that's when you get the viral star. Is when. Uh, is when that happens. Yeah. Like that's when. Uh, that's when it's officially. It's officially viral, and uh, 
you know, it, anytime you have a Bonds post, it'll create some conversation also. Yeah. Oh, my God. The amount of steroid debates in my mentions the other day that are they're still going, by the way. Like, they've been going for three days at this point. Yeah. I mean, people love that. Yeah. <laughs> people love that. Um, yeah. I'm like, my God. Like, so many be like, oh, my God, but he cheated. Oh, he wasn't allowed and he did it. Yeah. Like, so many of those. It's like. Educate yourself for five minutes, dude. Take li- literally Google when steroids were punishable. The best, the best one was a a guy responded with a picture of Hank Aaron, and I said, and he said like the real home run king. So I re- I tagged the the video of Hank Aaron, uh, like congratulating Barry Bonds on getting the home run record. Did you ever see that? Uh, yeah, and I've yeah. also seen I think a Today interview where he yeah said like oh yeah Bonds yeah Bonds is the guy. Yeah, so anyway, I, I linked to that video in 2007, and he responds, he goes, uh, he wasn't found guilty of steroids until after then. So I, I, I literally, I went to Google, I typed, Barry Bonds steroids 2006, and there was a New York Times article right there, and so I linked to it, and he never responded. Oh my god. Like, it's, it's that's all it takes. People's brains are just broken by yeah. that era, because it, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. how it uh how that happens um yeah barry bonds will will create some conversation mm-hmm. uh, obviously um but yeah i mean we we talked about how it was a great 24 hours for you yeah because uh at the end of the night at the end of the 24 hour run red sox yankees happens and uh i mean red sox uh take control from the jump yeah it was a very chris and i are both red sox fans um, you know, we obviously, we remain unbiased on this show. I think we should give ourselves credit for that because we do. We do. Uh, like we remained as objective as possible. Chris even picked the Yankees to win the game and I totally understood, but it was a very stress-free game for the Red Sox. Um, yeah, rel- relatively. Like if we were watching, if this were a regular season game, it's like, oh, Red Sox had control. Cause, but like when, when postseason is happening, it's, it's so amplified. You're never like, you're never sure. That and like the Red Sox are so prone to just like having that one blow up inning. Yeah. Like it's not uncommon for them to lose a game like five to three when they give up four runs in an inning. Yeah. Like, like when one reliever just is walking mm-hmm. guys. It's usually like the seventh or eighth inning. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, first inning, Garrett Cole, uh, I believe, yeah, he hangs a changeup after a walk to Rafael Devers. Hangs a changeup to Xander Bogarts. Bogarts uh, puts it into the center field bleachers. Uh, you know, fantastic way to start for the Red Sox. Two nothing. Nathan Eovaldi. The entire outing was just uh, on fire. Eight strikeouts, no walks. Uh, five and a third innings pitched. One earned run allowed. Uh, I mean, uh, like, I think. I think uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say you know a game like this would define Garrett Cole's legacy, but I think it can continue. I don't know, man. Eovaldi's like, legacy. I'd say I'd say Garrett Cole's Yankees legacy, but not his career legacy. Right. Because like yeah, he he was lights out for the Astros in 2019. He had that 15 strikeout game against the Rays. He pitched well in the World Series, except for when he, he faced Juan Soto. He shut the Yankees out for seven innings in the Bronx. Yeah, like. Very good against the Yankees and for for other teams, but like his playoff, his Yankees playoff legacy as of right now is that he has started both games that they've been eliminated in since he came over. 
That is true. And, I, like, he didn't pitch badly in the Rays game last year, but the reality is he started the game and they lost, so. Yeah, the, he hasn't had that big moment for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I you know, I would give credit to how he pitched against the Rays in that elimination game. Yeah, but, he pitched well, but the reality is he lost. I mean, he, he didn't lose, but yeah. his team lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in this game, and it has been pointed out, it was, you know, his first game – with the Yankees in the playoffs with a crowd against him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't work out for him, and he got he got chased out in the third inning. Yeah, two-plus. Two-plus. And uh, I guess it did also amplify, like, how important that home field advantage was mm-hmm. because it's hard to see the game going that that same exact way in Yankee Stadium. No, it's it's absolutely impossible to see it going that way. Like, right. it was, that's such a difference maker. It's crazy because they tied, and the Red Sox – won the season series, so, like, this was all one game that separated everything. Like, the Red Sox had, like, one of the most comeback wins of any team this year. Right. I think it's, like, them and the Mariners. The Yankees had some of the most brutal losses this year. If one of those things goes a different way, like, we're looking at that game in Yankee Stadium, and it's probably a completely different story. Right, exactly. I mean, it, it, the Red Sox still might come out on top, but I don't think I don't think it's that comfortable. No. Um, cause I mean, uh, yeah, Eovaldi was just, I feel like it didn't matter where he was. He was going to be, I mean, Stan well. would have hit like three home runs. If that, that was at Actually, that is true. Yeah. Like but, ballpark dimensions played a huge factor, like forgetting, like just forgetting about the crowd. Yeah, that is true. That That's one th- factor I forgot. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we could, t- <laughs> the John Sterling thing was just, I feel so bad. Like I, like, I know I'm not supposed like I, I'm a Red Sox fan, but like I too, I duly true, I true duly, I do truly appreciate John Sterling. Like he's he is a treasure. He's been doing this for like forty to fifty years. He's you know he's never missed a game. Uh yeah. I think it's been I think like 1982 was the last time he missed a game or something like that. Yeah, because I remember I think a game happened. There was like a doubleheader where. Uh, like Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur was that night. I think it, it might have been Yom Kippur. Or no, I think it was Rosh Hashanah. Uh, yeah, Rosh Hashanah was happening that night, and he's Jewish, but he still went to the game. He went, still went and called the game. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's he is, like, when you think of Yankees' personalities today, I mean, he's top, like, three at least. Uh, like, that's, that's what you think of when you think yeah. of the New York Yankees yep. is that – is that radio voice? But yeah, it was tough. I I imagine he wasn't there. Like I don't think so. He couldn't yeah. have been there. <laughs> like I know the TV broadcasters just came back. This was a national thing, and plus, like for safety reasons, they probably might not have wanted him there. Yeah, especially yeah, especially a guy as vulnerable as as he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he called. Uh, Actually, I, no. I feel like he was there. I feel like I saw a picture of him there. Yeah, I feel like at this point. Most, say, like, all the broadcasters are where they're supposed to be, but might be wrong. Uh, if he was there, that's even tougher because, <laughs> I mean, you don't have that much of an excuse. But anyway, um, so, so anyway, yeah, that was the top of the first inning. Then it was uh, 2 nothing. Red Sox. Schwarber hit a home run in the third. Cole gets chased out of the out of the third inning. Then it's kind of a stalemate until the sixth inning where uh, Eovaldi allows a home run to, was it Gallo? Rizzo. Rizzo. 
different lefty trade acquisition. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Rizzo. He allows a home run to Rizzo uh, down the right field line. Then Judge hits an ju- infield single. Judge, yeah, Judge babips him and get babipped. <laughs> and uh, if we, I almost feel like if it wasn't for ARR, we would be the get babipped podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's our true. that's our favorite phrase. <laughs> Chris yeah. and I have this have this new hobby where we just say get babipped in any scenario, <laughs> whether like it doesn't even have to do with baseball. Yeah, and by the way, for reference, bet. Babip is batting average on balls in play, and uh, usually it's usually the it's used in the verb uh, form when something is unlucky. So yeah. it, it could be now it's anything outside of baseball except it's, for home runs. It's like oh you got your catalytic converter stolen, yeah. get babipped. Get babipped. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's a fun one, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, Eovaldi got babipped, and then Cora takes him out. And uh, we have Ryan Brazier in, and this is arguably like the turning point of the game, or, or it stops, it halts any momentum the Yankees could have had. Yeah. Uh, Stanton hits one, hits a towering uh, double <laughs> off of the left center field wall. Definitely would have been a home run in Yankee Stadium, and I think it was a home run in eleven of thirty ballparks. Yeah, yeah, uh, makes sense. It's off the wall. Uh, Verdugo fields it okay. He throws it into Bogarts. No, Kike threw it in. Or uh, oh yeah, Kike threw it, it in. It bounced past Verdugo and went to Kike. So it so I guess Verdugo did not field it well. Yeah, went to Kike. Kike throws it into Bogarts, and Judge is getting the green light home, uh, rounding third. Bogarts throws it in, pretty much a perfect throw, and gets him uh, pretty handily. And uh, I mean. This was probably the most excited, at least I got during the game, because I wasn't there for the first three innings. Shout out to the Springfield women's volleyball team. Uh, I wasn't there for the first three innings. So this was like, this really halted any momentum the Yankees could have. Yeah. Uh, I'd say like the moment where I knew it was over was when, was after that happened, the Yankees didn't score again that inning and the Red Sox got that run back on a Verdugo double down the line. That's when I knew like it was, it was done. Right, right. Exactly. And yeah, the Red Sox got their insurance runs, uh, Verdugo with the double. And then the next inning, Verdugo had a, a two-run single. So he yep. had three RBI in the day. And uh, Whitlock comes in. Unfortunately, for for the po- for the poetry side of things, he does not put down the Yankees one, two, three. He allows a run, but he does close out the game. You know, Garrett Wick, Whitlock, formerly in the Yankees organization, and the Yankees gave him up in the Rule 5 draft yep. where the Red Sox acquired him and made him like, you know, he he probably he's not going to win Rookie of the Year, but he will probably get Rookie of the Year votes. Yeah. Like top, I, th- I don't know if they do like top five or top three. I kind of realized Randy Rosarena is like probably going to win that. That's I true. Think, I think he's the favorite. I think it's going to be him, Classe, uh, Wander Franco. Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia, Adelise Garcia, and then like – uh, Whitlock getting votes. Right, right. So yeah, the the Red Sox wins six to two. I mean, uh, where do we want to go from here? Do we want to talk about the Yankees? Yeah, let's talk about the Yankees. Um, let's let's do it. Eulogize real quick. What a what a disappointing season. Seriously, like this was this is a World Series or bust team. Like regardless of how you want to look at it, um, they not only did they not win the division, they didn't even play past the wild card game. They played one game. In the playoffs, right? And 
one thing I pointed out on Twitter is that over the last two seasons, the Yankees have played in two do-or-die games. They've had a total of two at-bats with runners in scoring position. Uh, which that's is true. Crazy. That is crazy. Like the one at bat with runners in scoring position came when Gallo popped up after the Stanton double, where Judge got thrown out. Like there was like the offense just wasn't a threat at all. Right, right. Um, and I think you could attribute that last year to like you know the Rays stable or or mm-hmm. what have you, but you know, it it I guess it goes back to the old school argument of like we need guys who can get on base. Well, I guess. But the Yankees do guys, have that. Guys who can, uh, you know, steal bases or whatever. But, but I mean, yeah, you you need guys who are going to get on base when you need them to. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't happening. And their approach was so off, too. Like, they were, like, the, I think Judge and, uh, who was it? Rizzo and Judge both made outs on the first and second pitches of the at-bat. Like, three pitches, two outs, I believe it was, which is not the Yankees' approach. Exactly. Like the Yankees are known for taking their time, waiting for their pitches, walking a lot. They have the highest walk rate in the majors this year. They, they weren't going for that at all. They didn't walk a single time. No, they had zero walks. Like yeah. I will, I want to find the last time a team had zero walks and they won a playoff game. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, like, I feel like that just doesn't happen that much. Yeah, maybe the uh, 1979 Pirates. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> the We Are Family team. We I, are family. Yeah, I've I've no idea. Uh I'm I should look at the total pitch counts cuz I mean we t- we talked about how like the pacing of the Red Sox Yankees game was actually It was quick for a Red Sox Yankees quick, game. Quick for a Red Sox Yankees game, luckily. And like yeah. the Nationals uh or no, not the Nationals. The I keep thinking Scherzer with the Nationals. Yeah. The Scherzer the Dodgers uh the Dodgers Cardinals game was like a Red Sox Yankees game last night, but we'll mm-hmm. get into that uh We'll get into that later. Uh, yeah, Eovaldi had 71 pitches through five and a third, which is a, a very, very good pace. The Red Sox only ended up needing 113 pitches uh, in nine innings pitch, which is, which is a great pace. I mean, you can, yeah. you see guys even today getting complete games with that number of pitches, like uh, 113. That's, uh, I mean, and yeah, 85 strikes. Uh, yeah, 85 strikes. That looks like. 51 strikes by contact, uh, 15 strikes swinging, 19 strikes looking. So uh, the strike percentage on the day, let's take, let's do some old math here. Uh, you know, credit to the Red Sox too. I mean, we know, we know Nathan Evaldi is a strike zone pounder. Uh, 70, yeah, they were, Red Sox had a 75% strike percentage on uh, on Tuesday night. So, I mean, part of that is the Red Sox. Part of that is the, uh, Yankees as well, but yeah, Eovaldi is like a strike zone pounder, and then but like you know, it's crazy not to walk against a combination of Ryan Brazier, Tanner Houck, Hansel Robles. Yeah, uh, I know Whitlock doesn't walk a lot of guys, but it's uh, pretty crazy not to walk at all. Um, it looks like teams actually do pretty win pretty often without walking. <laughs> uh, the Rays did it most recently last year in the ALCS in Game Two. The Bra- there were three teams did it last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like the I mean, if you're a team that's built on walks, yeah, and you don't do it at all. If you're like a lower average, higher OBP type team, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you're gonna win by by getting on base but, and driving in those guys. Yeah, the mo wow, look at this. The most runs a team has scored 
uh, in the playoffs without walking is nine by the 20, 2002 Angels. Uh, the most, the most, uh, the most run scored by a team that won in the playoffs without taking a walk. 2002 Angels, it was uh, the clinching game against the Yankees. Oh. Jared Washburn got the win. Of course he did. Jared, Ace of that team. Jared Washburn. <laughs> so in uh, in 2002, you had Jared Washburn, and now you have Jared Walsh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> full circle. But yeah, the Yankees, uh, they haven't fired Aaron Boone yet. Yeah, that's crazy. I I mean, their his contract is up. I was say, are you really firing him if you're just not renewing his contract? <laughs> it would be funny if the Yankees were just like, for financial reasons, we're gonna let him go to the free agent market. <laughs> uh, we're right around the luxury tax. Yeah, we can't be having him around. Anyway, here's a him. here's a record breaking deal for insert manager. Yeah, for Buck Showalter. Yeah, for Buck. <laughs> I really hope the Yankees go out and get Buck. That'd be funny. Just satisfy all the. All the Yankee Twitter fans. Yep. Because it's it's not exclusively boomers who are having that take. It's like, well, the Yankee fans are different. Yeah, Yankee fans are are, are pretty yeah. different for sure. Uh, right. So, so yeah, they haven't fired Aaron Boone yet, but it could be a thing where they just say like mutually parted ways because of the contract situation. Yep. Um, so that could come a little later. I can't imagine he stays. I can't imagine they sign a new contract this, for him. This tenure as a manager has just been so wild. Like, if you think about Red Sox and Yankee fans' perception of Aaron Boone before 2018, you know, in Boston he has the middle initial, in in New York he's a hero, completely reversed. Right. Like the like the 2003 world, like the 2003 ALCS walk off is completely tainted for Yankee fans now. That's true. Like they can't look at that the same way again. Right, because I mean they didn't even win the World Series that. They didn't year. even win the World Series, and I mean. Aaron Boone wasn't even like interviewing for other teams. Like, do you really think he would have gotten that job if he didn't hit that home run? Probably not. Right. It's not like, it's not like the, uh, yeah. It's not like I forget what teams were looking for. <laughs> what we're looking for? Uh, the Red Sox, the Tigers. Yeah, I can't imagine the yeah. Tigers were like, uh, we need to get this look at Aaron Boone. Yeah. But it, it's funny. It, it's funny the roller coaster ride of the Aaron Boone. Um, Yankees tenure because yep. 2018 he was getting bashed. They were favorites to win the division that year when, you know, oddly enough, when the Red Sox won the World Series. And uh, and then he was getting bashed. Not a, lot of, not a lot of Yankee fans were a fan of him. 2019, he turns the tides uh, in a year where they have all the injuries in the world. They go 103 and 59, second best record in the American League. They win the division. Uh, they go to the ALCS. And you know things things his the perception of him changes a little bit 2020 i guess it goes a little bit down in 2021 it, it it just gets worse because they were never in they were never in a comfortable spot in the american league east to begin with i mean no. them getting in the wild card uh i mean i think they were like four and a half back of the wild card at some point in like july like three and a half or four and a half so they had to come back to get into this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they were five and a half back at most. It's not like they settled for this. No. At, at least, like, in terms of looking at it from, like, July on. I mean, they did settle for it, yeah, but, like, yeah. given where they were in July, like, they the, they earned the right to play in that game by the way they played in the second half of the season. But, I mean, realistically, that's not a game they should have been playing in when you look at what their expectations were. Exactly, exactly. Crazy. Um, CeCe Sabathia made this point on his podcast, 
And I, I took a deeper look into it, and it's really interesting. Between 2018 and now, the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees in the postseason, won the World Series, rebuilt, developed an entirely different core, and beat the Yankees again. And by the way, they beat the same Yankees core again. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like that's this, And in the meantime, the Yankees have done pretty much nothing of substance. Yeah, right. I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm, yeah, you look at the roster. Mm-hmm. Like, Gary, I know you, Gary Sanchez was on the 2018 yeah. team. I, I know you're looking at the roster right now, but do you want to guess the player, the amount of players on both teams that played in both Game Four of the 2018 ALDS and the Wild Card Game? Start with the Red Sox. So the Red Sox had, uh, so yeah, Game Four. So that means I don't think Brazier appeared in that game. He did. Yeah, Brazier's one of them. Brazier's one of them. Yeah. Okay, so, well, Robles wasn't in there. Houck wasn't in there. Whitlock wasn't in there. So I'll say that outfield wasn't in there. So I'll say, did Vasquez play on in the wildcard game? So I'll say three. Uh, two. Two. Bogarts. Oh, that's it. Oh, because Devers uh, did not Nunez, play that game. Nunez yeah. was playing. Wow. Yep. And then... And then, yeah, Yankees. Was Actually, wait, did probably... Vasquez play in that? Oh, Vasquez, yeah. Vasquez, Vasquez had the home run. Okay, yeah, so three. Still, three, three players. One of them didn't – two of them didn't start. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, The Yankees, five people just in the starting lineup were in that game. Judge, Stanton, Torres, Sanchez. Actually, Sanchez didn't start, but Sanchez and uh, Gardner. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, the Red Sox beat them with an entirely new core. Right, right. Four years later, which is absolutely insane to think about. Yeah, and uh, and to go back to Aaron Boone a little bit. I mean, a lot of a lot of people talk about with managers like maximizing your own players' performance. Mm-hmm. And when I look at the stat lines of these Yankees players, I don't see any maximization of performance. No. Like Stan- like John Carlos Stanton was their best player this year, probably. I still feel like they didn't get everything out of him based on what you saw in his Marlins days. Right, right. Like I, mean, I still, I still think he's capable of like putting up a fifty home run season. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's. He's got that power stroke in him still. I mean, and I mean, maybe, maybe you don't blame Boone for that because like he did. He still had a very good year. He probably had his most successful year as a Yankee. Like he stayed on the field. He played well. He was consistent. He was clutch. Like that's about it. Right. Are you referencing Stanton or Judge? Stanton. Stanton. Yeah. Yeah. Judge had a. You know. Judge had a good year, but you got what you expect from Judge. You got yeah. a 916 OPS, uh, good defense to go with that. 39 home runs or something? 39 like home runs, yeah. um, along with, you know, you know 373 OBP, 544 slug. But you look at, like, uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu underperformed this year with the 711 OPS. Glaber Torres, 697 OPS. Gio Urshela, you expect more out of. He had a 720 OPS. Uh, and even like even pitching, no one really overperformed pitching wise. You kind of got what you expected out of Cole, uh, Jordan Montgomery. I mean, he had a good year, but he didn't necessarily shock anybody. Uh, same with Jamison Tyon. Uh, there's nothing that was really like maybe like oh, Nestor what? Cortez. Yeah, like N- Nestor Cortez and like Jonathan Loizaga. Uh, outside of those guys, there weren't any Yankees where you're like, wow, this guy's performing. I mean, this or this guy's do. It's like, oh wow. Aaron Judge is doing what? He's having an MVP caliber <laughs> season. Like, no, you didn't. You didn't get any of that, any of that yeah. this year. Um, so yeah, I, that's kind of uh, where we're at with the Boone thing. Is you know, not a lot of maximization right there. Yep. And, and the fact that they had a 92 win season and lost first uh, first game in the playoffs to lose out on the on the whole season, I think that says all you need to say about uh, Aaron. 
where Aaron Boone stands. And then I, I think the last thing to touch on with the Yankees is, you know, there's some decisions to be made, uh, you know, with, with this core. Aaron Judge is a free agent at, at the end of 2022. Um, he just had a he just had a good full season, so like I guess you probably you probably want to extend him. I think they do. Like he said, he wants to be a Yankee for life. Um, you make you make that happen. I think. Um, you know what? I think this might be the year that they trade Gary because Judge Gallo and Sanchez are all free agents next year. If you're gonna commit to Judge. You might as well get something for Gary because I don't think they'd get both. Right. And not only that, but like, I mean, I know that I know that this wasn't a Boone decision, but they played Higashioka in the biggest game of the year. That's true. That's and true. and not only that, and like he was in because he was Garrett Cole's personal catcher. Garrett Cole was out of the game by his second plate appearance, and they still put Higashioka in there. Right. Like they could have had Sanchez pinch hit earlier and give him two, given him two plate appearances instead of one, but. That did not happen. So, like, if you don't trust this guy in a time where it would make sense to, why is he on your team? Yeah, that's correct. When you can get some value for him. Yeah, that might be a thing. Might be a thing where they just try to go, like, major league player for major league player type thing, where they try to get another guy. Um, I, I'm guessing... I'm guessing the Yankees will probably go after one of the shortstops. Oh, absolutely. In the offseason. Absolutely. Labor Torres isn't cutting it at that specific position. I think that's the one thing you can lock in for free agency. Like, the Yankees get one of Seager, Story, or Correa. Exactly. For sure. Um, Anything less than that would be an embarrassment to the franchise. And uh, I, I wonder what they'll do pitching-wise. They probably won't get one of the... I mean, maybe they go after someone like Rodon who hasn't... who Who didn't, like establishes himself as the ace but establish him as himself as a very very good pitcher um but ran into a little bit of injury trouble maybe they go after someone like him but they they're they're if they're signing a pitcher they're signing a number two pitcher so uh i wonder how far they'll go with that uh pitching wise yeah i mean we'll have to see you know Mm -hmm. i'm very curious on how free agency is going to work this season because like I have a feeling nothing will get done until the CBA. Uh, right. Like, what players would want to sign before they know exactly how some intricate parts of the game are going to work next year? Right. It's just going to be, uh, <laughs> yeah. It might it might just be like Erod e- just signs like a one-year deal. Charlie Morton is going to be yep. signed. Charlie Morton, yeah. <laughs> that He'll be fine. He'll sign like a one-year. Actually, did he sign a... One-year deal with the Braves, or was it two? It was one year. Okay. I don't, maybe it had an option to it, but I think... Yeah, he'll I be know, off the board. I know it was one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, will be, he will be securely in a <laughs> in some uniform by November 9th. Yeah. Uh, he'll just... He'll find his, he'll find his new home <laughs> or, or, his, or his same Atlanta home. Um, we'll talk about him later in the episode we will. as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Yankees, you know... We always talk about the Yankees need to make moves, but, uh, you know, what moves they'll be making, probably shortstop, and we'll see how their pitching is. But, I mean, yeah. uh, I think it it's more about, I mean, what manager are they going to take? Yeah. Like, uh, we never really know the managerial candidates until after the season. Uh, so, we'll probably find out more as, uh, as the season comes to a close. Because, I mean, the only names I'm thinking of is, like, Maybe maybe Will Venable is going to be a candidate because I know he was a candidate last year. 
Sam yeah. Fold probably not because he's already. He's, like he's in the Phillies front office, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a GM. Good for him. Yeah, and uh, and maybe Jace Tingler. Maybe they'll he'll he'll get hired immediately after getting fired. Can you imagine what if the Yankees just hired Luis Rojas? <laughs> that would be that would be cool. That'd be pretty chill. That'd be funny. Uh, nice, just a nice uh, subway subway ride. Don't even yeah. really have to move anything. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, so so after Tuesday night, we had the National League Wild Card game, uh, which was very Red Sox Yankees like. Yeah. In that it went over four hours for a nine inning game. Not that we're against that because this was a this wasn't a game. Let me see. Each. What was the official time of game? Because I want to see like I want to get some stats on this because I feel like there, I could find something interesting. Yeah, it wasn't game three, 2019 World Series type four hour game. I mean, it was tight. The entire time, uh, great plate appearances were being put together. Yep. Uh, it was, it was good. It was a very good, uh, very good experience. It was an exciting game where like you didn't know who was going to win until a team won. Like that was that was the perfect part of it. Exactly. Exactly. Like you may have thought like, oh, Dodgers bullpen will have the advantage, but it's not. It's not a guarantee either and way. And they they did. I mean, they went what five five and two thirds shutout innings or something like that. I think four and two thirds. Four and two thirds. Cool. Sergio went four and a third. Yeah, so that'd be four and two thirds. Yeah. Um, good though. Yeah, very very good. Just kind of like how they did uh, to clinch the World Series win, where uh, they went I think seven and a third shutout innings. That was crazy. Um, so yeah, so yeah the uh, I guess I guess it starts with the first inning where the Cardinals the Cardinals basically small balled their way yep into. Uh, into the uh, into the first run of the ball game. Yeah. I should look at single steal, walk, fly out, which moves the runner from second to third. Wild pitch. Yeah, they just they just cardinal cardinal their way into yep, into uh, their only run of the game. Into their only run of the game. Um, Scherzer was facing some ca- competitive batters uh, the entire game, but was able to manage four and, four and a third. Uh, Harrison Bader had two hit by pitches. <laughs> That's pretty crazy uh and then adam wainwright had himself a good outing i guess the biggest play of the game was uh <laughs> trey turner grinded into a double play yeah what was that i mean how many career double plays does he have that that had a what was it 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 changed the win expectancy by uh 18 percent a double play yeah uh actually dang trey turner Trey Turner had 18 ground into the double plays this year. That's insane. That's more than I expected. Way more than I expected. How does that happen? Uh, I mean, they barely got him, and it was a it was an unassisted at second, and then a throw to first. Pretty crazy that he's uh, grounded into 18 this year. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, yeah the Cardinals got out to a one nothing lead. Uh, Adam Wainwright found himself in some trouble. Uh, in the third inning, got out of it with the double play. I think it was on a pretty good pitch too. I think it might have been a curveball, uh, or maybe I'm just guessing that because it's Adam Wainwright. But um, nonetheless, he gets out of it uh, against a very good hitter in Trey Turner. And but then the next inning, he allows a home run to Justin Turner, and then it's it's all it's just tied for the entire game, one to one. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's tough to really analyze a three to one ball game. 
Wow. <laughs> this is the only game in postseason history that went four hours and 15 minutes, was less than was nine innings or less, and both teams scored three runs or less. How? I'll get the button out for that. Why not? Right. I'll get the button out for that. It's not history series. It's not a. It's not a segment, but it's a random. It's a random stat drop. It's a random stat drop, and that's what the button is all about. So, uh, for this one, the longest, somewhat uneventful game ever. But like, that's not a bad thing. Like, it was a pitcher. It was a pitcher's duel. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And that, like, that sounds not fun, but it is. It is fun. It is. It is fun. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so it's weird to analyze this game because I don't think any manager made any significant mistakes. I think each manager kind of did what they were supposed to do, and the players played it out, and it, and it ended up in a Dodgers win, yeah. kind of like how we expected it to. How many regular season games even ended like that? Probably ones in rain delays or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Feel, I don't feel like looking that up. Anyway, um, yeah, so that happens. Uh, the Trey Turner grounded a double play, and then Justin Turner hit a hanging breaking ball. Yeah, for a home run like that was the definition of a hanger from Wainwright. <laughs> yeah, I mean it looked like it was set up on a tee for him. Yeah, and he hit it into the Dodgers bullpen. From there, uh, wait, uh, Serger only went four and a third. Wainwright yeah. went what, like five and a third? Uh, Wainwright went. He went exactly five and a third. Yeah, and then it was like each bullpen did extremely well. Um. Let's see. I know um, Trinan came in for the Dodgers, got five outs. That was huge. Jansen pitched a big inning. Um, Joe Kelly got some outs. Yeah, Joe Do- Kelly got Joe Kelly got a huge strikeout with first and third and two outs. Yeah, with Carlson. Yeah, Dodgers bullpen overall in the day: four and two thirds innings pitched, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts. So very good performance on their end, um, as uh, as they're usually expected to do. And yeah, I mean. If we just look at some of these key uh, at bats here, yeah, top of the top of the eighth was really where, or, or yeah, that was top of the fifth when that happened, correct? Yeah. When Joe Kelly came into the game, so yeah, uh, Joe Kelly re- replaced him, and it was first and second, and one out. Uh, Nolan Arenado grounds out on a force out, then wild pitch. Uh, first and third and yeah he got got dylan carlson dylan carlson uh had a rough at bat he swung at a slider out of the zone Mm -hmm. on a 3-1 pitch um i'm sure that's one he'd he'd like to have back it's but luckily for him it wasn't bases loaded so it's not like he wasted a run there exactly um but yeah that that's probably something he he regretted maybe wish he put up more of a a fight or got on base there and then Corey kniebel had himself a a nice a nice uh, pitch to end the inning, but that was only with one man on, so it wasn't too high leverage. But still, nonetheless, very good uh, at-bat given by Kniebel. And then I guess, yeah, in the fi- I, I think it all comes down to the final inning. Yep, it does. Um, Kenley Jansen, I mean, Kenley Jansen pitched a huge ninth. Like, he got, a, he got a, an out when the Cardinals had a runner in scoring position. The Cardinals, by the way, 0 for 11 with runners in scoring position. That that won't fly. Yeah. That's, Pun that's intended. Not, that's not how you're going to win games. Yeah. 0 for 11. That, that can never happen. Especially when you're not a team that thrives off of home runs. That is not something you can ever be doing. Um, and then it comes down to what Cody Bellinger walks. And I remember, so Pujols led off the inning with that line drive fly out. 
630 expected batting average. Yep. Um, and then Steven Souza Jr. Very weird. Very weird tactic by Roberts by having... So first of all, he had three pinch hitters in an inning. So if that game extended pretty far, which it could have because no extra innings rule, like he was draining the guys on his bench. He literally pinch hit three guys in one inning. And CT3, the third pinch hitter of the inning, uh, Chris Taylor, was the guy who did the job. Walk-off home run. The fifth walk-off home run in a do-or-die game in baseball history. Uh, in playoff history. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really, really brought it together. He, you know, the broadcast mentioned his struggles uh, in his previous 29 games heading into that particular at bat. He had, uh, he was, he had like a 4.24 OPS, a strikeout rate above 30. percent So maybe it was a little more understandable him not a start and B be like the first um, pinch hitter called upon. Steven Souza Jr. is still, like, I admit, pretty weird to have him in instead of uh, Chris I Taylor. I mean, Pujols made sense because, like, he was facing a lefty in TJ McFarland. There's the storyline. Like, he has been legit against lefties this year. Like, there's nothing wrong with him being the first guy off the bench there. That's true. I wonder Now I'm wondering what if Chris Taylor might have reverse splits. Yeah. Because uh, he did come in for the righty. I don't know if it was if it mattered which pitcher was uh, going to be facing him. But... Uh, well, if that's the case, then I don't know why they would put in a righty there. Splits 2021. Let's take a look at his splits here. Platoon splits this year. He uh, he did better against lefties, so yeah. I don't know what's happening there. Still, I don't know. Steven Souza Jr. over him still feels weird to me. But doesn't matter. You know, did, didn't really play too much of a factor. Yeah. And it, now, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's not much to say on the game because uh, there weren't really any head scratchers. I think the Cardinals, at least this year, kind of did what they were supposed to do. They won 91 games. It's not like a disappointment thing with the with the Yankees. It's just like everything – I feel like everything that was supposed to happen happened, except maybe the Dodgers should have scored more runs. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, there's really There's really not many narratives changing – uh, based on that game, but I guess how do we how do we feel about the Cardinals? Uh, like just after this year, it it's weird. I mean, um, they're definitely in content. You know, they're definitely it's not they didn't get there by luck. So I mean, it, we're not counting out playoffs for them next year. So it's not like uh, this might be Yachty and Wainwright's last time in the playoffs. It could be. Uh, there's a strong possibility that it will be, but uh, it's not a guarantee. Obviously. So I think that's that's one narrative you could go about things, and I think you pointed it out earlier. They have they have a really old side of the team and a very young side of the team, so it's weird to analyze them at all. Yep. Because um, I mean, their best pitcher is forty. Yeah. <laughs> but they have uh, plenty of up and coming position players with Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader. Uh, who else? This, Tommy Edmond. I think Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill. Like, I think this will. I will remember this as for the Cardinals as like the 17 game win streak and the breakouts of Tyler O'Neill, most importantly, and also Harrison Bader. Like this is the first year we find. You know, we always knew he was a defensive god. This is the first year we kind of saw it all put together, which I think is really encouraging going forward. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was like top six in wins above replacement, at least on Baseball Reference. And I'm trying to look at the yeah. fan graphs, wins above replacement leaderboards. Uh, yeah, uh, Tyler O'Neill seventh in the National League in Fangraphs wins above replacement. 
Yeah, he was great. And, uh, yeah, he was a how about that. He he honestly could have been a how about these as he, well. Yeah, because uh, he was a – wasn't he a freeze over though? Uh, no, that was uh, Bader, I think. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill. He's he's got home run pop. He's got crazy uh, ISO too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, Bader could have been a how about these too. Yeah, because he had a strong September. That is true. That is true. Um, I'm trying to let's look at the OPS leaderboards and see where O'Neill ranked there. O'Neill was also seventh in the National yeah. League. Yeah, he OPS. was. I mean, he established himself as one of the best hitters in the league. Power hitters. Yeah, nine twelve OPS. Uh, and I know he's a sprint speed guy too, like yep. very high sprint speed uh, to go with that. Uh, 15 stolen bases on the year. Uh, that's something to consider also. Like he's, he could be one of the, one of like the, the go-to position players in, in the national league. Yeah. He could be like a very dark horse MVP pick next year. Very, very much so. Very much. I think so. that's possible. Uh, that is true. And, and then uh, I think when you go from, in between the old spectrum and the young spectrum, you got uh, the two guys on the corners, Arenado and Goldschmidt, and I feel like you should expect about the same production as you did this year. From yeah, like that's a big three in that offense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The storyline is those two because they're the veteran players. We've seen them all and what they can do. Tyler O'Neill can hang with them. In fact, he, you could probably argue he's a better hitter than both of them right now. Yeah, I mean that he finished with better OPSs than both of them mm-hmm. uh, in the year 2021. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, with the Cardinals, I mean, uh, there's there's definitely some things to look forward to as a Cardinals fan. It is weird because we, you know, they were expected to win the division this year. They didn't. Yep. They were lucky to even get in the postseason. It took a 17-game win streak to get them there. Yeah. But it does still feel like this was kind of encouraging. They just need to, they need to rebolster that pitching staff. Yeah, they do. Like they have, like they're they're known for being just fundamentally sound and you know good pitching. But like they're an offensive team right now. That is true. That is true. They yeah. need to balance it out more. Um, yeah. So I wonder, like, what? Because the, the Cardinals are never a team that's very active on the free agent market. So I wonder if they try to get someone on the trade market, pitching wise. But yeah. you, you need some more starters. You can't just have. Uh, you, you're not just going to re-sign John Lester and. Uh, I would hope not, and, and call just, it a day, and call it a day. I would. I sure would hope not. I would be actually very upset if they did that. Yeah, you can't be doing that, especially when. Especially with the pitching staff that the Brewers have built, uh, you can't just you can't just go to them with that. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be underdogs heading into the year, at least for the NL Central crown. Absolutely. Um, all right, where do we want where do we want to go from here? Uh, let's preview the Red Sox and Rays ALDS just briefly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is the this is the Heim Bloom series. It's his old self versus his new self. That is true. That's true. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's kind of like, it's like the Rays already have their developed thing, and the Red Sox are still trying their developed thing. They're trying, you know, we've talked about it before. They're trying to become the Dodgers in like three to four years. They're the Red Sox are weird because they have an entirely new core, but they're not young. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like they're an up and coming team. You can't really say that either. Uh, it's it's almost like the 2013 team, at least age wise. Mm-hmm. Or they just have like veteran guys who are doing pretty well. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to preview this because it's obviously not starting pitcher versus starting pitcher. No, here. not at all. Uh, it's sort of just like team. I mean, it's team versus team, really. As as boring as that sounds, like that's just how this series is. Right, right. It is, and uh, you know, 
bullpen versus bullpen, obviously the Rays would have the advantage. But then, you know, offense versus offense, starting pitcher versus starting pitcher, it's somewhat even. Uh, mm-hmm. Manager versus manager, I would say it's uh, around even. So um, it, it should be interesting. Uh, game one, we have uh, – we have, uh, we have Eduardo Rodriguez versus Shane McClanahan. That is correct. Uh, and then game two, have they announced it's, Chris it's, Sale yes, yet? Yes, it's Chris Sale versus Shane Boz. Game three, they haven't announced, but I think it's going to be Drew Rasmussen versus Nathan Eovaldi. And we will be at game three. We will be at game three. Uh, um, it'll be my first playoff game. Yeah, uh, you should uh, def- definitely enjoy it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great time. Um, it's going to be a 407 game. Yeah, 407. Some of these game starts, starting times are so weird. Yeah, like, it, the game two starts at seven o two p.m. or two yeah two p.m. Yeah, it is weird. It is pretty pretty odd. Four game Friday tomorrow though. Four game Friday, man. Starts, oh, feels so good. I mean, we had like we we talked about it yesterday too. Not not on the program, but eight game Wednesday was a little too much. It's the fact that it was a Wednesday. Yeah, like, I had so much stuff to do that day, and meanwhile, there's eight playoff games. I had to pay attention equally to everyone. It was difficult. Yep, yep. It like. Uh, Four game Friday just it's it's just so organic. Mm-hmm. It just it just brings the life out of you. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, he had a classic Eduardo Rodriguez moment during the Rays all year. Uh, the strikeout to walk ratio was eight against them this year. That was the second highest among any AL team that he faced. Uh, and he had a like four seven ERA with like eleven hits per nine. Like yeah. I think it was twenty four wa- strikeouts and three walks. Yeah. Like, he got babips, like he always does. Yeah, he did. And, yeah, some of the clips that I used from uh, to point out his lack of luck was, like, Randy Rosarena infields, infield singles and mm-hmm. just random bloops and I think whatever. we need to remember, like, what Randy Rosarena did last postseason. That's when true. When we're considering, like, what our predictions are going to be. Like, the dude's just different. He is. He is. Uh, and... I mean, what should also be pointed out is, like, the Rays lineup, it's it's not star power driven, but you look at, like, the OPS pluses, and it's mostly over 100. Yeah. They're just good. Yeah, it's mostly above uh, average offensive production. I mean, if you just go, if you just go, like, uh, player by player on the baseball reference lineup, you got Zanino, mm-hmm. 138 OPS plus. Yandy Diaz, 112. Brandon Lau, 142. I don't know if I said this on the program, but, like, the eight hitter in the lineup is just as da- as dangerous as the three hitter. Right. Like everyone is just equally as as dangerous. Yeah. There, there are no easy outs, but there are. I mean, I guess there is like an oh shoot, it's this guy, and it's probably Brandon Lau. Yeah. That's the best hitter on the team. Yeah, and uh, if, if he was trending differently, maybe Nelson Cruz, uh, but he hasn't been trending well. Uh, like the only the only guy with an OPS plus below a hundred on the lineup sheet is Manuel Margot, who has a 98 OPS plus. <laughs> and he also has 20 outs above average. Yeah, and he's he's a defensive guy. Yeah, he's a defensive god. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, so that's, like, that's who you're facing. There's not really any holes in the lineup. Um, or, and there's absolutely no holes on defense. That's where, that's where there's a huge advantage for Tampa. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, the team had a 112 OPS plus, and uh, they were fifth, Overall in team OPS uh, in the American League. And then, yeah, ERA plus 108. You know the Red Sox left Matt Barnes off the roster? Uh, No, I did not know they that. They did. They put Danny Santana on it. 
Interesting. Very weird. And they took uh, Connor Wong off as well. Wow. So I, I feel like that's not only because of performance. Yeah. I feel like there might there, be There's something. no way. Like with the extension you just got, there's no way. They're just like, we don't want you here. Yeah. I, I think it was, I think there might be some type of injury thing. Yeah. With him um, that might explain some things. But yeah, I mean, uh, with with the with the Rays, it's just it's a very complete team. I mean, starting people when people talk about uh, the playoffs, people point to like starting pitching, but that is not that is not a thing we should really con- yeah. consider when we're talking about a Rays series. Ooh, uh, breaking news! Something that needed to happen. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um, it's a fake account. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. Never mind. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even going to say what it was. But yeah, should we should we throw out some predictions for Rays Red Sox? Yeah. Um. I've been trying to talk myself into it, but I'm just I gotta go Rays in four. Like I've been trying to tell myself maybe the Red Sox will stretch it to a fifth game, but I don't know. This everything is just so good on the Rays. Like it, there just does there just isn't any holes, and I don't know. Right. Yeah. Especially, especially when you get into the later parts of the game, like the Rays have like the best offense in like the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. The Red Sox bullpen has been shaky lately. The Rays have the best bullpen in baseball. Like, exactly. If, as long as the Rays keep it close, and also, you know, the Red Sox, you know, they looked very good in the wild card game. There's still a lot of things they should have done better. They went one for eight with runners in scoring position. Like they can't be doing that in this series. Yeah, that's true. You can't rely on the home home run ball. No. Uh, against this team. Yeah, it's it's weird because I mean that it's hard not to react extremely well to that wild card game that the Red Sox mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Um, but I think about the trends that led into that game. Like I think over the past two months, the Red Sox have lost more games than they've won. Um, that's something that kind of discouraged me about the team in the playoffs. Uh, I do like I, I you know I, if you look at just starting pitcher versus starting pitcher, I kind of like those matchups. Mm-hmm, uh, but they're only going to be in for six innings max. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I like Chris Sale versus Shane Baz a little bit, but I don't know about our offense against uh, – I don't know about the Red Sox offense against Shane Baz, and I don't know uh, about the Red Sox pitching after Chris Sale. So uh, I'm going to have to agree with you. Raising four, I think the Red Sox win the third game at Fenway, hopefully for us. Yeah, that'd be nice. If uh, if it does go down like that. I, that's that's the one where I gen- genuinely like the pitching matchup because we saw Valdi go into the sixth. Um, the Rays are a team that strikes out, that strike out a lot, and Evaldi's been a good fip of a good fipster, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore just the postseason stats in general for Nathan Evaldi. Yeah. Uh, where on Tuesday he improved his postseason ERA to playoff playoff reputation is very real. Uh, he he decreased his postseason ERA. Or no, I think he increased it. <laughs> he increased it to 1.63. Yeah. Uh, in 27. And so he's trending in the wrong direction. He is. He is. I mean, watch out. He might go six innings. We two got a runs. volcano on our hands. He, yeah. He's uh he's erupting with his. Uh, he might give up three earned runs with his eight strikeout to walk ratio in the playoffs <laughs> and two home runs allowed in yeah. 27 and two thirds innings. Pitched. One of them was to Max Muncy. Yeah. One with one of them was in the. One of them was to Anthony <laughs> Rizzo. Inning. Yeah. One of them was in the sixth inning. Yeah, uh, yeah, both in the sixth inning of his performance. Very uh, true. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm comfortable with, I'm comfortable not as a Red Sox fan, but as a baseball fan with predicting, raising four there. We uh, have consensus there, but we should talk about 
the upcoming series, a game or a series that's starting in 40 minutes as of recording. Um, so if you're, if you're saying we, we already, uh, knew part of the results of the White Sox Astros series, you're wrong. Yeah. You're recording. We're, we're, it's three twenty seven Eastern time game starts in 40 minutes. Yeah. So we're, we're getting these predictions out, uh, at the buzzer. So first off, I think, uh, so yeah, Astros, White Sox. First thing I think of is you know Astros swept them in four games earlier in the year, but then the White Sox kind of got them back one, two out of three against them. Uh, what what are your initial thoughts about White Sox Astros? I feel I mean this is the most I told you beforehand. This is the most difficult series to predict. I think. Um, yeah, it is it is tough because we've talked about the White White Sox against above five hundred teams, but there is like very good reason to believe in them. Yeah, there is. Uh, so, I mean, if you just look I at, wanna, I'm trying to look at, so Lance Lynn is starting today. Uh, he's obviously faced the Astros a lot because he pitched for the Rangers for two years. So he's, he's familiar with them, but I don't think he like did well uh, right. in those games. Yeah. So to, uh, today you have Lance Lynn, ver- the battle of the Lances, we do. Lance Lynn versus Lance McCullers. Uh, and that watch out for watch for Lance McCullers slider. He developed it this year. He be, he made it became his primary pitch around midseason, and it's filthy. Yeah, and then I, I think you know starter wise, Chicago seems to have somewhat of an advantage. Uh, Houston Houston's bullpen was kind Shaky. of a, a crutch heading into the trade deadline. I don't know how much they fixed it. I mean, they they got good acquisitions, but I don't know. If it really fixed itself, I'm going to look at some uh, stats on that. But I like the White Sox bullpen a little bit more, too. But Wow. Uh, Lance Lynn in seven games against the Astros since 2019, uh, 660 ERA, opponent slugging of 571. Wow. wow. That's, that is not good. That is 13 home runs in how many innings pitched? Does it even say? Doesn't even say. Interesting. Uh, oh, 43 and two-thirds. Yeah, that's... uh, Not what you want. Not what you want. Uh, And I think... And yeah, Lance Lynn throws like 88% fastballs, whether mm-hmm. they're four-seam sinkers or cutters. And I, I think I looked it up last... I think Houston was fifth overall in WOBA against fastballs, which isn't that significant, but it's something... But it's something they're strong with. It's something they're strong with. It's a with. strong suit. Um, and then in game two, you have Lucas Giolito versus the ground ball machine, <laughs> Framber Valdez. The lowest launch <laughs> angle by a pitcher in the StatCast era in a season with 300-plus batted balls against Framber Valdez. Yeah, that's uh, out of 820 seasons, by the way. 820 seasons, yeah. Uh, it's... That was fascinating. I found that out today. Get ready for some. I've known about his. Yeah, I've known about his launch angle for a little bit, but he just walks people. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, ne- I did not know the stat of him being the lowest. So credit to you for finding that one. Yeah, get ready to see the White Sox just punch some balls into the ground. Yeah. On on Friday. Right. Uh, since the trade deadline, the White Sox and Astros are fourteen and fifteen in bullpen ERA. So I guess they're somewhat even. They're they are even. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is make- crazy because like the White Sox have Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell, right? And also Ryan Tapera, and also like Garrett. Cro- Actually, Garrett Crochet's hurt, isn't he? Uh, I don't know. Is he still hurt? He got a fair amount of innings this year, uh, and then Aaron Bummer just make not. just make sure you don't le- take him out with runners on base. Yeah, That's just but he's a, but he's gonna he's gonna uh, be the uh, counter to Framber Valdez. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. He's, they're going to leave divots in that uh, yeah. Minute Maid Park turf or, uh, yep. or uh, you know, grass. Ground balls will be hit. <laughs> Imagine if they, like, when they do, like, the Red Sox-Yankees promo, if, if in, a, in a way we had, like, Framber Valdez and Aaron Bummer facing each other, it'd be like, ground balls will be hit. <laughs> For sure. Uh, for context, Aaron Bummer has a negative 10.6 average launch angle against. His average batted ball against is just a chopper. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's I think he nuts. has like two batted balls against all year that were above uh, 45 degrees. It's like, yeah, if you pop out against Aaron Bummer, you <laughs> you deserve, basically won the World Series. You deserve an award yeah. for sure. I wanted, let me let me see who did it this year. You can keep going with your prediction if you want. Yeah, it's, it's weird. The series is is weird. I feel like home field advantage will play a good factor here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like Minute Maid Park is a is a good park for fans to make their impact, especially since it's indoors. Um, so I, it, it would be hard to break it down game by game uh, if we're being honest. I think, yeah, I feel like after those Lance Lynn stats, I feel like uh, McCullers – you know, McCullers also is also a guy with a decent playoff resume as well, especially yeah. especially at home. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, I, I know he had that. Uh, he had that. He was the starter of Game Seven of the World Series too, so can't discredit his road performance either. So yeah, I think I feel like Lance McCullers uh, and the Astros get the win tonight. Then you got Giolito versus Valdez. I wouldn't count out either guy. I would say Giolito wins that. Like, don't forget what he did last year against the A's. I know that it was an empty crowd, but I mean, he shoved. That's true. That is uh, true. By the way, one of the five people to hit a fly ball off Aaron Bummer this year is Carlos Correa. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. How about that? Watch out for the home run ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was a sixty degree launch angle. Well, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's that will ever be a home run unless uh, it's inside the park. Yeah. <laughs> unless it's Prince Fielder in the Metrodome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, you're right in that it uh it's hard to predict because it's hard to discount that. That uh, that White Sox pitching staff. Uh, I'm gonna say I'll say Astros in five for the moment. Yeah. Um, I this is might be an unpopular opinion amongst baseball fans, but I would not mind seeing the Astros win it all. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it wouldn't be. Oh, also, can I say one thing? Go. How funny is it that in 2021 we have Tony Larusa versus Dusty Baker? <laughs> so that gets into my next point. The reason why I'd be so happy if the Astros won is specifically because of Dusty Baker. Right. Like, that man, I don't care what franchise he took over and what reputation they have, that dude deserves to win a championship. That is true. Like, he's been, this is the fifth team he's been with. I think it's the fourth team he's gone to the playoffs with. Right. Might be, actually, no, he gone. He, he went with all five teams. He went to the playoffs with all five of the teams he's managed. Yeah, and if he were to go, go to the World Series, it would be his second, second team going to the World Series with. That would be correct, yes. Um... Yeah, because he's he's managed uh, Reds, Nationals, Cubs. Giants, Cubs, and now and Astros. Astros. Yeah, I didn't uh, know about I, I didn't know about the Cubs one. I would be ha- he went in two thousand eight with the Cubs. Okay. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, that being said, like I would be happy for Dusty Baker, um, and I'm going Astros in five as well. All right, so uh, good consensus from ARR once yeah. again. It's hard. It's, it's hard, especially with the five game series to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be to be a little different. Um, all right. So I think we get a raise Astros rematch, right? That's true. This time with crowds, uh, that should be pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. 
So now uh, we talk about the we'll talk about Brewers Braves uh, to start the revenge of Milwaukee. Uh, for <laughs> Milwaukee is still so mad about the Braves leaving in 1966. Just uh, this this series is for Hank Aaron. This series is for Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews. Yeah, Eddie Matthews. It was hysterical. He played in he played for the Braves in Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. And Atlanta, yeah. Gotta love it. But uh, anyway, Brewers Braves. I mean, there's there's many angles you can go about it. Yeah, there are many angles. Um, I think it's I think the the big story is just going to be like Brewers pitching versus Braves offense. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I think this one. I think the Braves are getting very overlooked. Um, just I because agree. like they underperformed. Ronald Acuna is not there. Uh, you know they're kind of they kind of have a new identity as a team this year, True. Uh, and Milwaukee is just you know they they outperform their expectations. They have a killer pitching staff with you know the three headed monster with Burns with uh, Woodruff and with Peralta. Not to mention they have guys like uh, you know uh, Andy Ashby. They have guys like Adrian Hauser that you mentioned. Of course they have Josh Hader. Like they every every arm they throw out there is gonna do damage. Uh right, yeah like. The, the Brewers pitching staff is extremely deep. And uh, I think there's also a thing of, like, Braves pitching staff versus Brewers offense. Braves pitching staff has definitely mm-hmm. picked up over the last couple months. And the Brewers offense has kind of been strugglesome all year. Yeah. I mean, a 91 OPS plus from that team overall. Uh, so, yeah, they're not the they're not the 2018 Brewers. Yeah. Uh, that's for sure. And for good reasons and bad reasons, uh, you know, with the offense being a little depleted. I was going to say, it's very, great. very opposite, right? Yeah. 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 Like, I did not think we would be thinking of this team this way. You know, they had, like, Yoli Shashin starting game one for them. Right. Right. Um, so, actually, I was I was uh, doing some research for, uh, actually, one of my classes. We're doing a, an online magazine, and I'm talking about Brewers Braves is one of the <laughs> articles I'm doing. Nice. So, uh, I found some stats, luckily, from that. Wait, for TV journalism, you're doing an article? Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later because uh, oh oh she she changed the name of it well, she she didn't even change the name of it yet she, she basically did well it's inside, multimedia journalism now little, I forgot little insights USJ for the listeners out there uh but the the uh the Braves so since after uh pretty much after they broke that win loss win loss purgatory that they had they've been on fire so the Braves since August third have a thirty six and eighteen record. Uh, not the best competition they've been facing, but nonetheless, thirty-six and eighteen. The Brewers in that span, thirty-one and twenty-four. So the so the Braves in the last two months basically have been five and a half games better than the Brewers. Um, and this, I'm not saying that this is obvious why the Braves should win, and I'm not even saying that the Braves uh, will in fact win. But I think there's some things to consider trend-wise, and not basically on the on the overall in the year. Also. Uh, and let's pretend peripherals don't exi- exist for a second. But in the second half, so tonight we have, uh, or tomorrow night uh, at four, which I don't know if that's night or day. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird time. But tomorrow you have Max Fried versus Corbin Burns. Um, Corbin Burns obviously had the better I overall. thought Charlie Morton was pitching game one. Oh, that's actually true. Yeah. Okay, well, that ruins my point. <laughs> um, but, you know, Max Fried, I'll just say these stats. Max Fried in his last, in the second half, had a 174 ERA. Charlie Morton since May 19th, which is his last 25 starts, 288 ERA. So these are 
these are things to to consider for sure. And uh, you know, the the they're trending in the right direction. They're I don't I wouldn't say they're six and a half games worse than the Brewers, uh, like the overall standings would say they were. But uh, I think also with the Brewers, you know, starting overall starting pitching and and um, and what uh, and home field advantage might play a role. But uh, do you want to get into what you th- how you think this series might play out? It's gonna be I think. Hmm. I, I this is such a difficult one too. Like I think that you know you mentioned the Braves have been hot lately, but the Brewers just have more of a pedigree. That is true. Um, I mean, they're going to need that pitching to, to stay put. Like they're going to need it to be what it's been. The thing with Corbin Burns is that he doesn't really go deep into his starts, which is really weird because like he's known for striking out a lot of guys and not walking anybody. So you think he makes quick work of people. He doesn't really go beyond like six innings more that often, but they do have a very strong bullpen. Uh, and, and on the other hand, the Braves... Their bullpen's been a little shaky. I know Will Smith has been better, but like Richard Rodriguez has not been the guy they expected. Right. Um, Luke Jackson's been very good for them this year. Uh, he, you know, his walk numbers are not great, but and uh, the walks are especially like big in the po- in the postseason. Uh, when they get Minter up and moving, he's been big though. Yeah. Yeah. Very recently, Minter. Uh, very good peripherals. The three seven eight ERA with a two six nine FIP. That's pretty good, and he started out like cold too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what I will say about the Braves bullpen is since August third, when they're hot, you know, hot. I don't know if you call it streak or just stretch started. Since August third, they're fourth in bullpen ERA, uh, which is s- something to consider, and I believe that is better than the Brewers bullpen ERA during that span. Um, but peripherals, I think, uh, they got they got a little lucky. They, I think. Sure. Um, since June twenty first. AJ Minter has pitched uh, twenty-seven to third innings. He's a two-six-three ERA with a two-two-two FIP. Yeah, really good. Right, right. Um, are we doing predictions yet? Or are we just we we can do predictions. I'm thinking game by game right now. I okay. Think, I think tonight or uh, or no, not tonight. Tomorrow night, four four p.m. We have uh, Charlie Morton versus Corbin Burns. I think that stays pretty even yeah. throughout the game. I think like when Corbin Burns does go deep into his starts, though, like they're good starts. Oh, obviously. Like it's like eight innings pit. Like he had that almost no hitter. He had that game against the Cubs where he struck out like thirteen or something like that. Right. I think uh, I think Morton and Burns stay pretty even throughout the mm-hmm. game, and I think the bullpen decides it. And I think Milwaukee's bullpen is going to outdo the Braves' bullpen, and they win. By a score of maybe two to one or three four to, to two, three to two or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm thinking four two. Um, then you have the Brewers are going to need are going to rely on some runners and scoring position stuff because they don't have an overpowering offense. They have guys that you know, like when I talked about Willie Adamas this year, I talked about his WPA, I talked about his clutch stuff mm-hmm. like that because that's really what he's been for this club. Um, you know, we're going to need to see Yelich step up. We're going to see need to see. Um, Avisel Garcia, Omar Narvaez, these bats that they have that, right. you know, they've had solid years, but overall this offense is not super overpowering. It's just a matter of getting it done when they need to. That's true. Um, also what, I, what I'll note is, and I know, I know this isn't, this doesn't uh, signify like them playing in 
like uh, competitive games because the Brewers have kind of had this wrapped up for a while, the, the National League Central. But yeah. in their last 28 games, the Brewers were 13 and 15, which is, is not, you know, awful, but something to consider a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to look at since September 2nd where their team batting ranks are uh, before before I make my next point. Because uh, I, I would think if they I were got struggling. You. I got you. We'll, we'll, Unless you got it we'll first. do a speed run. <laughs> All right. September 2nd, you said? September 2nd. 3rd. And we'll go to advanced. Have a look. I got a – okay. I got it pulled up. The Brewers uh, were 19th in offensive wins above replacement on fan graphs with a 2.9. They had an 86 weighted runs created plus. They had. They were 25th in OPS. Yeah, it's not great. T- teamwork. We found we were able to yeah. do that a lot quicker. That was nice. They hit 228 over that time. That's not very good. That's like one of the worst in baseball. But And that leads into my next point. That's why I believe that in game two, Max Fried is not going to allow a run. Wow. Uh, I don't think he's going to throw a complete game shutout, but I think he'll go six or seven shutout innings. Uh, yeah. Max Fried, we saw him in the playoffs last year. It was very good. Um, so I think he carries that in. He's carried, he's carrying some momentum from the, in t- the entire second half. So, uh, I, I don't think he allows a run. Um, maybe I think that's a little hot, but I don't think it's crazy hot. I think, I think, uh, I'm just going to throw out my prediction right now. I'm saying Brewers in five. Brewers in five. I, I have another five game series. I think it's just going to come down to bullpen. Uh, right, right. Um, and then I think another factor, so we have, we're probably gonna have Ian Anderson in game three. Uh, which is going to be interesting. He had a he had a good year, ran into some injury stuff, but had a good year and was great in the playoffs, obviously, last year. And that's probably going to be against Freddie Peralta. And then game four, I don't know. It depends depends where each team is situationally because you could have a guy on three days rest, uh, as we've seen many times before. I mean, the Brewers have the luxury to like throw out Eric Lauer in game four and feel decent about it. Yeah. Eric Lauer or Adrian Hauser. Like that's why the Braves don't. I don't know if they really have that. Like who would their who would their game four starter be? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not Bryce Wilson. They're, no, they're it's definitely him. not. Definitely not. Bri- it's definitely not Kyle Wright. Right. After uh, last year, I feel like I feel like no matter what, they might just have Charlie Morton go out for game four. Yeah, that would make sense. Like I mean, I, you know, it'd probably be Huskari Noah, I guess. Right. Yeah, I guess. But he's been on the downward trend. Right. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking. You know, my brain is just trying to fire right now. Yeah. Uh, I think. I think it might end up coming down to like, how does Ian Anderson versus Freddie Peralta go? Yep. Uh, I think that might be a. Do you want to? Do you want to say right now whoever wins Game Three wins the series? Um, whoever wins Game Three wins the series. Uh, yeah, I'll say that. Oh, I'll say that right All now. right. Because I see a split happening in the first two games with with my confidence in Max Freed. So whoever wins game three wins the series, and who is going to win that game? Uh, <laughs> going to be in Atlanta. Oh, man. I'm not confident in either offense either. Like, the Braves offense had their stretches, but, I mean, they're without Acuna or Ozuna as they've been for most of the year. Huh. You know what? I'll take. I'll do the hot take and say Braves in Ooh, five. Okay, Chris has the eighty-eight win Braves moving on to face the one hundred six or one hundred seven win Dodgers or Giants. That's going to be interesting. All right, and now for the final series to talk about, final uh, LDS to talk about. It's the 
it's probably the the best matchup in LDS history. This is basically. I do you want? I I I want to say this is basically the NLCS. I won't, but it feels like whoever wins this is going to have a lot of momentum and is just going to be the better team. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, honestly, I'm not. It's not a guarantee. No, I, I wouldn't say it's. I wouldn't say like the whichever team is win wins here is going to go right through go uh through the other teams just like butter but i think it could also be considered a like the world series almost yeah like you could make that case because I, I like both of them against the rays astros white Sox, or whatever mm-hmm. i th- these are the two best teams in baseball in my mind yeah that's extremely valid um I'm really excited about the game one matchup: Walker Buehler versus Logan Webb. Both of which have both of them have a sub three ERA against each other this year, yeah. against the against the other team. Logan Webb, one of my favorites in general. Uh, another ground ball machine, guy with a negative uh, average launch angle against. Yep. And I don't know. I mean, I I love that matchup. I you know Buehler. We all know about how good he is. He's been that way for a few years. He had a lot of good success in the postseason last year as well. Uh, uh yeah, and, and overall, I mean, yeah. 2018. 2018, he had that start outside of outside of the uh, Braves uh, series. I mean, he had he had good starts against the Brewers and Red Sox. Yeah. Um, if I if my memory serves correct, and still he was like 22 at that time. Yeah, it's crazy, and yeah, 2019, 2019, he was great too. Yep. Uh, I should look. I should actually look up his career postseason ERA. But anyway, go on. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's going to be a good matchup. What are the other... Has any other matchups been announced in that series? Um, I mean, there's ones that you can, like, assume maybe. I think Gossman's going game two. He's probably going to be going against, uh, Urias. Gossman, Urias, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, um, they they just announced Gossman. And then you would have Scherzer going against the, uh, Desclafani? Yeah. Okay, well, I think... And I- then probably, like, Alex Wood versus... I don't know. Do they go Bueller again? Yeah, it just depends a thing on like if these uh, teams are going to go. Maybe Gonsolin. Go with guys on three days rest. <laughs> throw David Price out there. It really sucks <laughs> that they lost Kershaw for the year. Uh, that it, he's out for the year. Yeah. Totally. What was his injury again? UCL. Oh wow. Okay. But it's not. But don't worry. No Tommy John. Okay. They they already announced Tommy John will not be needed. But it, it's he's going to be out for the, the the entirety of the postseason. That's uh that's pretty rough, especially as someone who established a good postseason resume last year yeah walker bueller 235 career era in the playoffs in already 61 in the third innings pitched. crazy that is insane for a guy who is 27 i wonder really he's that old yeah yeah he is i would have thought he was younger than that for sure i guess i guess he did go to college so <laughs> he did yeah that's what happens when you go to college you, uh, you get too old too early yeah <laughs> delays it delays life um yeah uh anyway I'm trying to, yeah. So yeah, you have you have some very good pitching matchups. I think the Dodgers should have the advantage in the Scherzer, Desclafani game. Yeah, I mean game three is tough because it's always you're you're usually pitching your ace in game three if you came from the wild card game. Right. I I think uh, I don't know if this might be a, a little unanalytic or uh, non-analytical to say, but uh, one thing the the Giants staff, uh, the Giants um pitching staff might run into is like inexperience in the postseason but i don't think that should be that much of an issue because their position players have plenty of experience with like belt crawford yeah. longoria posey yep 
so I don't know. Uh, do we want to get into maybe predictions here? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, people have doubted the Giants all year. Nobody thought they would hang around. Nobody thought they'd win the division. They've hung around. They've kept themselves there the whole year. And now they're probably going to be the underdogs in this series. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm taking them to win in four games. Four games. Yeah. Daniel Curran said yep. four games. I said four games. He said Giants in four. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is – it's a tough one to predict, uh, obviously. I feel like Oracle Park is, is just a nice place for the yep. Giants to be for this series. And I think home field advantage will play a factor – and uh, I have a feeling that the Dodgers, at least in like the second half, didn't too didn't fare too well in Oracle Park. Um, so maybe that's a factor to to bring in. But <clears throat> yeah, I think I think Game One might play a big factor because I feel like the Giants have might have the pitching advantage uh, in Game Two, although Urias has been trending pretty well. Huh, this is a tough one to think about. Um You said Giants and four. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. I mean they're so even. They are. There's so it's it's a hundred seven win team versus a hundred six win team. Yeah, you know what? Um the Dodgers had their World Series last year. I think the Giants are gonna come out a little hungrier. And they're gonna win in five. Okay. I'll be I'll be the I'll be the safe corporate guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be safe and say Giants in five. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll say Giants in five. They'll they'll win that last one in Oracle Park with uh, probably maybe Gossman or Webb on the mound. Uh, so yeah. Uh, to break down our predictions uh, in final, I have uh, I have Astro. Yeah, yeah. Raisin four. Daniel also has Raisin four. I have. Uh, Astros in five. Daniel also has Astros in five. I have Braves in five. Daniel has Brewers in five. And I have Giants in five. Daniel has Giants in four. I do. Um, so we differ on the Braves. We differ in the National League. We're consensus in the American League. So uh, I think any anything more we want to talk about before we close out this episode? Nah. Good. I mean, we're at a, an hour 22 <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the recording. Sounds about right. Uh, so yeah, we, I mean, it's four Oh seven right now, so we got to get going. Uh, <laughs> we got, you got the game on, uh, yeah, we got the online, uh, the illegal streaming site, the illegal streaming site on, uh, so that wraps it up for us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you want to follow me on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta, follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show on Instagram at above replacement radio. Uh, I mean, we're going to get. We gotta get some Chris Rose uh, interview clips out there. I will, I will uh, get those together. um, Probably during some of these games. So look out for those. They're great. He gave us a great interview. So check out those when when, whenever they do come out. And uh, uh, we hope you enjoy this one. And we hope to see you on probably Monday. Um, Not a hundred percent sure, depending on what we do with like. we'll, We'll probably see you on Monday. But we hope to see you next time where we're going to be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.